Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday show. It's the show that would take an umbrella out if Peter Walton told us it was sunny. On today's pod, we're looking ahead to this weekend's potentially seismic clash at Wembley between two sides who are pretty useful at this football arc. Between them, Manchester City and Chelsea, since Thomas Tuchel took charge of the latter back in January, the combined form guide reads, played 37, won 30, drawn 4, lost only 3. If both teams turn up, it could be a classic tomorrow. Relishing this prospect alongside me is Joe Butterfield, who used to appear on here quite regularly until he got his own night 320 pod and it all went to his head. <laughs> Demanding limos down to Super Saver, insisting today's recording is called the Friday Joe Show. <laughs> in all seriousness, he's stepping in today at short notice and he's an absolute superstar. Hi Joe, you well pal? Oh, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I was I was saying to you beforehand, like it feels like it's been so long since I have been on a podcast that I've not hosted. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully my ego copes with not being the guy in charge. <laughs> well, obviously, if you had any sort of ego, I wouldn't have made a joke about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also delighted today to introduce a debutant in the form of journalist and Chelsea fan, Jenny Brown, who'll be looking at the game from the opposing slant. You'll get to know Jenny throughout the pod. All you need to know at this point is she's dead sound. Hi, Jenny. Welcome aboard. Hello. Thanks for having me. Are you nervous? Very. <laughs> On many, <laughs> many levels. No. Well, it's <laughs> great to have you. And um, yeah, let's talk for a really good game this weekend. But before we get to that, I just want to talk about kind of the BT coverage of City on Wednesday night. It's a hoary old subject that we, we discuss a lot, I know, um, the media coverage of City. But with having you here, Jenny, I just thought it'd be interesting to get a kind of a, a Chelsea fan's perspective on this. Because from the outside looking in, my interpretation is that Chelsea were originally demeaned as Chelsea, and their wealth was often used against them. Um, but that soon passed, and now Chelsea regarded as legitimate big club. Um your owner, the wealth, it's no longer seems to be a factor. Am I wide of a mark here? Um, and generally speaking, how are Chelsea perceived in the press? I mean, there are still actual grown men who do use the term Chelsea. Um, <laughs> always a shocker to see it, and yet it is still lurking around, but it's definitely calmed down a lot. Um, I yeah. guess we owe a lot of that to you, um, actually. Yeah. You're welcome. I think, yeah, I think you guys uh, swooping in and PSG as well has kind of taken the the heat and pressure off of us. Mm. Um, no doubt also in the last couple of years as some of the academy kids are finally starting to, to flourish at Chelsea rather than elsewhere. I think it's really helped um, show what the, the big picture always was. Yeah. Like Roman invested in that academy um, and it's finally starting to pay off. Well, Joe, how do you see it as regards to how Chelsea are perceived compared to how City are perceived? Because there are similarities, let's face it. Both clubs were kind of taken over by, you know, an individual or a group of kind of enormous wealth. And a lot of investment went on, which elevated each club to kind of, you know, to the top. So do you think City are perceived differently in the press to how Chelsea are? Um. Yes, at the moment. But I, I can't really remember well enough how the sort of Jose Mourinho 2004 right. Chelsea was was perceived at the time. I mean, what we're getting now may be similar to that, but it doesn't, it feels like because we've got social media involved as well as the media, as the, the actual media, it feels like that's sort of been magnified and just sort of made a lot worse. I think 
because every every successor it's been it's been 12 years now since we had since we had the takeover 13 nearly and if you consider that the time between Abramovich taking over Chelsea and and Jose Mar- and Jose Mourinho or Conte last winning the league with Chelsea was about a similar length of time when that league was won it wasn't all about Abramovich and what Abr- like the shady stuff that Abramovich has been involved with in his past and things like that whereas I, I feel like when we win the league this year we're still going to see a lot of you know Abu Dhabi human rights abuses kind mm. of articles and it feels like as much as we've had you know we're not that far behind Chelsea in terms of the the length of time that we've been a, a quote-unquote a petro club but um but it feels like we're a lot further away from sort of shaking that label than 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 Chelsea were when they were at this stage that we're at now. Um, it just feels, it just feels like we probably never will shake it un- yeah, until. I, un- I think maybe the only way that we could have begun to shake it is if Newcastle had been taken over by um, by the Saudis over the summer. But I think even then we'd have we'd have still been lumped in with them. They would have just been added to what we get rather than replacing us in the same way that we've, like Jenny alluded to, that we've that we've kind of replaced Chelsea in that sense. Yeah. And Jenny, the reason we're, we're talking about this is City fans, there's a lot of City fans who were annoyed on Wednesday because they're watching their club, an English club, in the Champions League quarterfinal. Um, and it really felt, it really, really felt, it wasn't paranoia. Certainly, you know, when I was watching it, I was, I was questioning myself, thinking, am I being paranoid here? Am I being oversensitive? It really felt like BT were rooting for Borussia Dortmund uh, in their yeah. commentary. Um do you ever get that from a Chelsea perspective in Europe? I mean, do you ever get anything similar to that? I mean, I've I've got it. It's I think it's the difference between broadcast journalism and and print. Yes, because broadcast employ a lot of former players, which is great if they add anything. Because um, some are amazing, and then some are Steve McManaman and Robbie <laughs> Savage, um, and and they are potentially some of the worst offenders, like even our match. um, Steve McManaman was almost willing Porto to score throughout the match. And, you know, you just get that. um, You take it with a grain of salt. I mean, a player is always going to, you know, have their biases and that's fine. Um, But it it does get, it does great a little. And I think it's only recently... um, that there's finally Chelsea players on some of the panels, like Ashley Cole and stuff, Frank Lampard, before um, he went to Derby County. Like, they were making appearances on Sky, and then you're like, okay, it's a little more balanced. It's not all yeah. United and Liverpool players. That's interesting, because that's exactly what City say about, you know, people like Richard Dunn and kind of Julian Lescott, that we're getting represented, finally, um, kind of in the media, certainly I think, in television. I think the only problem with... I think Micah Richards is a is a, is a legitimately great one for for Sky because he he has like so much personality with him and he seems to like quite he he goes to bat for us in a way against like other pundits who maybe try to slag us off in a way that maybe we would if we were there. But I think the problem is that you know with the likes of and I like I like Richard Dunn and Julian Lescott and stuff, but they're a bit bland, aren't they? Like they're not they're not very. <laughs> you know, you, you can't. I, I, I don't see them. I don't see that they're, they're obviously going to look at things positively with a city slant, but they're not the kind of people. They're not like Frank Lampard. Like people don't watch Richard Dunn and think, "Wow, I, I really respect what you've done in the game." And like I really, it's and oh, that's sure, what have you said? No, I know that's obviously, obviously, and obviously we do because we're City fans yeah. and we and, and he's a legend of the club. But you, your average football fan doesn't doesn't 
Mm. have a particular amount of respect for what Richard Dunn thinks about the game compared to someone like maybe a Rio Ferdinand who'd be sat opposite him, who's gone and won like, you know, Champions Leagues and multiple Premier League titles in his time. And I think that once we get to the point where I think Zabaleta did a bit of punditry at one point, which I'm, which, you know, I'm hoping, I hope we see a little bit more of it depending on what he does next in his career. But once we start to see people who are from us having success, like Mm -hmm. Micah Richards be on these, on these on these shows like because you look at the liverpool and united players who are on sky and whatever and they're all people who've won lots of things they were all part of the winning teams of those clubs and we don't really have any of that yet apart from apart from richard so i think once we get to the point where maybe some people who who the neutrals can look at and respect from that point of view then we might start to see the narrative change a bit more than it has up to this point. I think that's a, a good point. I mean, I love it when people say, you know, what does Graeme Souness know, for example, on Twitter? And you think, well, if he put his medals on the table, it would break the <laughs> table. <laughs> Didn't he uh, threaten to do that once? Didn't he call okay. someone out and say that he was going to do that? <laughs> I remember uh, Martin O'Neill doing that too. And I can't remember who it was. It was, it was pa- Patrick Vieira and Fabio Cannavaro, it was. Amazing. And he said, where's your European Cup winners? I've won it twice, hasn't he? He's won the European Cup twice. And yeah, <laughs> put them in their place, which was brilliant. Uh, just a different angle on this, um, only because it's something that always intrigues me about Chelsea. Again, from the outside looking in, Jenny, so I might be hopelessly wrong here. I do get the impression that the media portray Chelsea, how do I say this, kind of detached. There isn't much kind of love there. Whereas Tottenham, um, West Ham, certainly Arsenal, there's a lot of love there. Now, I always hear that it's because it's a very you know, London-centric media um, as regards to City. But, you know, surely that would mean that Chelsea get a lot of love, but they don't. Um, would you go along with that? Do you, do you think that there's certain clubs such as Tottenham and Arsenal who get preferential treatment? Well, that's not the right word, but just more kind of um, positive press than Chelsea do. Definitely. Um, I'm never offended by it. It's almost like... You can take it like a badge of honor that yeah. <laughs> you're not the you're not the little darlings or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's um, a very English thing to mo- like for people to support like the underdog. So you know, I know that Tottenham had that massive League Cup win back in two thousand and eight. <laughs> but other than that, there there may not have been many trophies. So it's almost like willing that story to happen to create that narrative, like when everyone went mad for for Leicester, this unthinkable. And, you know, however West Ham and Tottenham want to see themselves, ultimately they are not quite as successful. Um and I think the media kind of are trying to to boost them up, just mm. like in the hopes that there's this this new story if they had had the same success no doubt they would probably not have the the same affection it would just be their their yesterday's news and who's the who's the new kid we can boost up and yeah you know here's here's little palace (laughs) look at them look at them go (laughs) my my first first club i supported by the way it's true I was about four and it was only because I had a Crystal Palace top that my dad bought from you know some market somewhere but yeah for about a year or two I supported Crystal Palace for some reason (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll move on very swiftly from that (laughs) we'll move on to um, this weekend's big game we'll just start with you Joe um, looking at um, the opposition how do you feel about Chelsea I mean when a draw was made I'm assuming you would have rather Leicester Southampton yeah, absolutely. I think um I think Tuchel 
is, and Asan said it on this podcast before, um, that he kind of views Tuchel as to be the um, almost the new Klopp for Pep to deal with in the Premier League. Like the, the mm. that that one game where it's always going to be like the maybe the first one that Pep looks to every single season because I think he's going to, um, you know, we may we may see on Saturday that it, that that might not be the case, but it, it certainly looks like he has the potential to be that kind of adversary to him in the league and going forward and stuff. I do, I, I really like him. I think on a personal level, as much as anything else, like the, the interviews that he gives and he, he speaks really well and he's, he's very likable. Um, I did like Lampard, um, but I just think, yeah, it, it felt like, and I'd be interested to know what sort of Jenny thinks about this. It felt like, um, it felt like he'd maybe taken them as far as he could go, but he also, you know, he also did have a lot of, transfers forced upon him that maybe weren't his weren't his um weren't his choices but um yeah as far as 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 far as Tuchel's concerned I just think yeah I think I think he's got everything to to give us a difficult game and and they've got a squad that's you know filled with lots of quality players like maybe you know Werner and Havertz and stuff maybe haven't had the best starts to the Chelsea career but they're both still players who could you know turn it on anytime they want well, maybe not any time they want, otherwise they'd have done it by now. Well, but, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely the one that I least wanted to face out of the uh, the ones that were left in that in that semi final draw. Well, you've set it up quite nicely actually, because um, when, when I chat to you on Wednesday, Jenna, you, you really surprised me by saying that there's a bit of a <laughs> a bit of division in in the Chelsea camp as regards to fans remaining loyal to Frank, whilst others, you know, are embracing the Tuchel era. Um, and, and this surprised me. Obviously, I, I know what a legend Frank Lampard is amongst the Chelsea faithful, but um, it surprised me that not everyone has wholeheartedly embraced Tuchel. Is that fair <laughs> to say? I mean, yeah. I feel like I could get myself in a little bit of trouble here. <laughs> I, could, I could just be speaking for me. <laughs> fair enough, yes. There, I mean, there there is a division. It's hard. I mean, we go through managers, you know, like, God, I, I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even count all of them at this point. <laughs> And by and large, you get kind of used to the turnover and fairly quick at accepting the next rain slash waiting for whoever's going to replace mm. who, whoever's in charge at the time. Um, this one was a hard one to take. And I do think that there were people who, um, like myself, um, who just haven't quite embraced the, the new era as wholeheartedly as others. Some are fully on board. Um, and had almost been calling for it. And then there's others who are more hesitant at accepting um, what's happened. Like we were prepared for a, a bumpy season with a new manager and a, and a almost whole new squad. Like it was, it wasn't ever going to be easy. So yeah. yeah. Well, what's the reasons behind that? Is it, is it the style of football under Tuchel? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you're not just watching all of our games. <laughs> For fun. <laughs> um, outside of the Palace game, I would say most of the games, um, it, to say we'd be playing uh, in a pragmatic way would be probably the kindest thing I could say. Um, it's not pretty, like it's functional. The results are coming in, like you can't really um, dispute that kind of thing. But yeah. it, it's not it's not been a great watch. Like even some of the matches that Chelsea have gone on to win, it's not been exciting or you're just kind of like, okay, well, that's done now. <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, it's it's not it's not been great. Um 
So yeah, yeah. Do you do you think? Because I've I've seen some Chelsea fans talking about sort of the way that Lampard was let go, and I'd be interested to know what you sort of think about this. It's because um, when there's been times, say, looking at Manchester United, for example, there's been times when maybe like Mourinho and Solskjaer had their jobs maybe under a bit of pressure, but the fans in the stadium were a bit like sort of showing their support at the end of a defeat or something like that. As uh, from from the outside looking in, has been a big part of why they weren't sacked there and then. Do you think that maybe if fans were in the ground and maybe the whole of Stamford Bridge had been cheer like been wholeheartedly showing their public support for, for Lampard point, yeah. that they, that that maybe Abramovich would have because we all know Abramovich is the kind of owner who could maybe just sack anyone regardless because he just doesn't because if he if he's made his <laughs> if he's made he his ruthless, mind up yeah. then that's yeah but do you, but do you think that having that do you think that having you know a stadium full of thirty thousand people quite quite loudly saying no we don't want Frank Lampard to go would have made a difference or do you think that it was just Inevitable. I mean, I think it could have helped. I also think it could have helped with um, some of the results. Just, you know, there's a lot of young players um, in the team, even the new signings. Like, I think people forget how young Kai Havertz is as well. Yeah. And I think having that stadium backing them, pushing them on, might have even helped some of the results. Um, unfortunately, and I don't actually know this, and, you know, I hope I don't get in trouble, but uh, I feel like Marina always had it out for Lampard like there are stories that came out that she had intended to sack him last summer despite yeah, yeah. finishing fourth and getting to the FA Cup final with you know absolutely no transfer window and selling the best player on um he managed to do that in his first season and the word was that she always wanted to sack him so i think she just used the the poor run of results at that time to just cut loose um because we, the season's weird. There's no, there's no reason that we couldn't have bounced back. Like it wouldn't have been ideal. It wouldn't probably have been as successful as it is at the moment. But I think Frank Lampard was more about next season and building then. Like he, he's learning, the squad are learning. I think it would have or could have come together under him. But I think Marina always had the intent to get rid of him as soon as she could. Well, when you look at Arsenal and how they've kind of, you know, are dealing with Arteta, I mean, there's parallels there, isn't there? You know, two young managers, and yet Arteta's been given this season, essentially. It's like, okay, you make all your changes you want. You've got a whole season for transition. Whereas, you know, Frank wasn't given that this season with, you know, a whole wealth of new players as well. So there was always going to need time to settle in. And Joe, yeah. I'm just interested to... Well, firstly, Joe, actually, does that surprise you to, to learn that not all... Chelsea fans are on board with Tuchel at this point. Uh, and secondly, if Pep's successor, successor sorry, brought in the same level of success to City, but it was achieved in a very pragmatic manner, would that bother you? Um, in terms of the Tuchel thing, I can kind of understand it because it would be... It would be like someone like Vincent Company getting the sack, wouldn't it? And then you're never going to really. We would probably not warm to whoever followed yeah, him yeah. as as anywhere near to the same level that we would have if he'd followed just some other some other manager somewhere else. Um, and I think the fact that a lot of fans, it was a it was it was definitely a divide, wasn't it? There were some fans that were quite happy to see Lampard go because at the end of the day the results weren't good enough. But there were plenty who were who were very much like, well, you know, he's a young manager. He's given he's been given he's been given a summer transfer window where he's not really been given his his pick of the transfers anyway. And you know, looking at what he did the season before with no transfer window, getting getting top four with you know, whilst bringing through a lot of the academy kids as well, which is something that Chelsea have been crying out for for a long time. 
seems like a seems like a strange thing. I mean, obviously, in terms of pure results, it's not a strange thing, but I can see why fans would definitely not take to that particularly well. Um, in terms of in terms of the success and and the style side of it, I think I don't. No, I don't think I'd be happy. Like, I think it's easy to, I think it's maybe easy for me to say that as someone who, who's currently got the luxury of having both. But I think that I just watch Mourinho teams and even when they were winning, I've never thought, and, and Jenny may well be able to tell me completely differently here, but I've never <laughs> thought, I've, I've never thought like, God, I wish I was them. Like, I've never, I've never watched their football and thought, oh, I'm really devastated not to be watching this week in, week out. Cause like, I, I, and, and this, again, this could be just because I'm a City fan, but I think people watch Pep Guardiola's football and, and, and lots of them wish that their, their teams played a style similar to that, whether they're successful or not. Um, it just so happens that we've got a squad and a manager who do bring success along with that. But I would ultimately rather watch us play this way, even if we weren't successful than watch us play, you know, a Mourinho, a Sean Dyche, a, a Tony Pulis kind of way and and win multiple trophies. Like I just, I would, I would hate myself every week having to watch that. I've, I can't I've, believe you lumped in Tony Pulis with Jesse Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I that, that, was, that was so snide. Un- unintentionally snide, I love that. <laughs> well, I, I've got splinters in my backside because I'm very much sitting on the fence on this. I mean, the success and style kind of debate, obviously, ideally, you want them to dovetail, but if that's not possible, I don't know, if you're winning every week, I mean, personally, I think that Chelsea team, 2004 and 05, so underrated. I mean, their achievements. I mean, yes, the style wasn't there from a neutral's perspective. Um, you know, it was, they were so well drilled under Mourinho, but you know, it was almost they were too well drilled to, to make it entertaining to watch. But those stats that they have, absolutely unbelievable. Oh yeah, two two thousand and four Mourinho out of out of you know that's that, that that's fine. But I think twenty. 2015 2016 right, Mourinho yeah, yeah. where it's where he's where where you're literally going a goal up and then sitting on it for the rest of the game and just yeah. not really being very ambitious beyond that it's just no I, I couldn't I, I couldn't do it I, it's, I, I love it, I've got to say I love that that's what he's trying to do now at Spurs and yet they're awful at keeping yeah. leads <laughs> <laughs> it's because at Spurs all of their best players are attacking players yeah. but he's still trying to play defensive football but that's mm. their weak area. So it's like you can't play defensive football. You like you need to just throw out what everything you know and do the opposite because you do not have the players for it. Yeah. Like, so yeah. what are you doing? You, you get the feeling that if whoever follows Mourinho, they're going to have a field day, aren't they? Because all they need to do essentially is put a smile back on those players' faces and just let them loose. Just kind of you know play liberated football and, and the results will follow. Um, just staying with Chelsea with the FA Cup, because um, I was doing all the kind of previews for betting sites in the lead up to this game, and I was staggered that basically Chelsea had been involved in 50% of FA Cup finals of the last 14 years. Um, City fans feel a, 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 the same kind of strong affiliation with the League Cup, having won it five times in recent years. Um, Jenny, do Chelsea fans feel the same way about the FA Cup? Do they feel that basically it's it's yours? <laughs> <laughs> that we own it. We just yeah. uh, we just need to retrieve it back from Arsenal, who keep stealing it from us. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Like I, I wouldn't say ours. That's a bit presumptuous, but there is a special relationship with the FA Cup. Like it's so it's a magic, magic day. I, like I love it. It's it's one of my favorite 
trophies like not just because we win it but like <laughs> helps though, <it's>, it? <laughs> <laughs> it does help it would be it's so much harder when you love a trophy and you never win it yes but yeah it's like it's a great day out um obviously i haven't lived here my entire life and um i used to to come over for matches and i remember um in 2009 um beating Arsenal uh, on my birthday this weekend uh, in the <laughs> FA Cup semi-final and I just I booked my flight that day to come to London for the final to go <laughs> I wow. just yeah it was such a big thing I was like this is this is it I love it well I can so, see I'm gonna feel bad now City beat you the weekend I know birthday. you're gonna ruin it <laughs> so. So maybe maybe if you could have a word with Pep and just be like listen you're probably gonna win two maybe three other trophies so <laughs> um, looking at the Chelsea team, I mean, as Joe said earlier, we've got a wealth of attacking options and, and kind of, you know, quite fearsome, really. But then... They don't know how to score goals anymore? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it, Timo Werner? I mean, 10 goals this season, was it a goal every 300 minutes across all competitions? I think what makes it really worse as well is... The fact that there was so much attention put on my early doors saying, oh, this, this player's struggling, you know, he's missing a few. And then he had a string of real high-profile sitters, which really doesn't help. Um, it kind of reminded me of Fernando Torres in that regard. Oh, Do you, that's that, harsh. <laughs> well, I was going to say, actually, are there any similarities? Is that too harsh? Because, I mean, he, he's, his performances are good, and he's just not basically finding the target. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously going going through a bit of a a moment um but i think some of the you know reactionary um moments after performances or misses are a bit over the top and yeah. i think that's probably a bit the case anyways because of lockdown people are just going a bit mad and everything's over the top but he did start out really well he he's got 10 or 11 goals already he's got 10 assists as well and he's won seven penalties um so while he's not, you know, banging in as I'd hope, um, he's still contributing beyond his performances. He is actually contributing to the goals themselves yeah. and has, has proven himself a lot of times unselfish. Like there's been a few moments recently that he could have maybe scored, but has always like sought out a teammate in an even better position to make sure that Chelsea get the goal and hopefully the win. So he, he does put himself, um, second behind the team itself, which I like. And he works his socks off. Like you can't fault yeah. like his effort, which I think should go. It should go a lot further than it is at the moment for people giving him a bit of a break. Like he is working hard. He's young. He, it's a new team and a ever changing system. I think it'll click again for him. And when it does, I think the goals will just come without much thought. Well, I can assure you that me and Joe are thinking the same thing right now, which is that we know when it's going to click for him. It's going to be this weekend. <laughs> oh, there's only there's only there's only one time it's going to happen. It's going Absolutely. to be it's going to be this weekend. I, I think I think for I think for Werner is what's sort of the uh, for me. I'd be quite if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be quite sort of encouraged by the fact that he seems to be getting in a lot of these positions to score yeah. in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's if he was just if he was just being invisible for a lot of the games or or not getting the chances to miss, then I'd feel like he was even worse than a lot of Chelsea fans think he is at the moment. But um if he's 
if he's getting in these positions to miss sitters, and yeah, right, it's not it's not good that he's missing sitters, but if he's getting them, then once he gets that that string of a few together, then he should be he should be lethal once he gets to once he gets the actual finishing touch on. But I think a reason maybe why, and it could be the same for Kai Havertz as well. Well, obviously Havertz had COVID as well, didn't he? Which might have made it made it worse. Yeah. But these are we. I think. Um, I think Asan and Howard were on the Main Road Ramble podcast and talking about um, Ferran Torres and, and kind of the not 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 it, kind of indifferent season that he's had so yeah. far, but that's again been sort of maybe hampered by COVID as well. But these are like these are young players who've come to a new country where they're not allowed to fly home and see their family and friends where they normally would do. Like they've just been they've just been put in a new country in. Uh, you know, I don't know what their living situations are, what their family situations are like while they're over here, but they're they're kind of just isolated completely. And for 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 young people who are coming over like that, that could be like a massive. No matter what your job is, that's gonna that's gonna affect you, isn't it? So maybe something sure. like that, and then you and then you combine. Then obviously, when it comes to Werner, you sort of add the, the the general pressure that comes of the fact that he's not scoring as many as he should do, and that just sort of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy at some point, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah hopefully, 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 when you know restrictions ease up a bit and you can have family and friends over or go back to visit family and friends again then we'll probably see a bit more of what made him what made him so you know made him the 50 odd million pound player that Chelsea signed in the first place see I feel bad now for comparing him to Torres I, I, <laughs> I, I must state that it was only the kind of high profile Torres, Torres had no excuse there was no Covid when Torres was no, around it was, no. uh, he's got <laughs> no, it, I mean, it was just the sitters he was missing there. That's, that's what I was referring to really it's you know yeah. anytime I've seen Chelsea and Werner's kind of you know missed the sitter Commentator makes a great big deal about it, and you think, yeah, that does remind me of Fernando Torres. But in, overall, uh, I think he's been largely a success at Chelsea so far. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, I think I think one of the other positive things that nobody um, kind of addresses is um, after he misses, uh, it doesn't ever deter him. Like mm, he immediately yeah. just it ne- you never see his head go down or the the shoulders slump or that just like I'm going to feel sorry for myself for a few minutes. Like he just gets mm-hmm. up and gets on with it and just you know like it's nothing. He just dismisses it and moves on. I think that says a lot about his character, even even though he's so young. Like I think it's a great great just sign of character and what he he might be able to do in future. Well, I mean, as we've already said, that future will arrive this weekend and it will score at least two in the City. <laughs> um, so, are there any kind of potential surprises for the City lineup to face kind of Timo Werner on the warpath? <laughs> um, I don't know about surprises, but I definitely think we'll see. I mean, we have to really because of the nature of that Dortmund game and how intense it turned out to be. Um, We'll probably see a bit of rotation from that game. I know we obviously rested a lot of plays against Leeds with this with this game in mind as much as the Dortmund game. Um but I think we'll maybe see like Fernandinho come in. Um we'll probably see Sterling come in as well. We'll probably well, these players who are sort of on the periphery at the moment, we might see one or two come in for maybe maybe a Bernardo or um or a Rodri or someone who played the full ninety against Dortmund. Um but I would hope to see I would hope to see close to our strongest lineup. I'd still hope to see um Diaz and Stones at the back. Um I think Stefan will play, won't I? Did he play the previous legs of the yes. FA Cup? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, so 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 he'll come in. Um Cancelo will probably come back in. Yeah, I just think I just think there'll be a few cases of players who, you know, maybe played against Leeds, one or two of them coming back into the squad, rotated out for a couple of the Dortmund the Dortmund players rather than rather than any wholesale changes or any, you know, big surprises, hopefully. Uh, Jenny, will will the same kind of apply to Chelsea where, you know, for example, there might be a couple of players who have played in the FA Cup predominantly this season um, 
you know, will Tuchel kind of stick with them? Even given that it's a semi-final now? He should stick with them, (laughs) whether he will or not. I I don't know him that well. I I don't know if he'll stick to to sentiment and his cup team or not. Um, If he does, like, Kepa has started every single one of the FA Cup matches. Um, so And Emerson as well. He's played throughout all of the FA Cup. Um, I do think Tuchel likes Emerson to some degree, um, especially after his goal a couple weeks ago. So I reckon he'll start and potentially Billy Gilmore as well. He's played all the FA Cup matches and has been cruelly left out of the midfield for just about everything else. So I reckon he'll come in as well. I mean, I know you guys won't be shaking in your boots about Billy Gilmore, but he is a brilliant little star. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I love him. Yeah, it should be him alongside N'Golo Conte, I think, um, because Kovacic is out and Jorginho um, actually did some running midweek so I didn't he'll... know that I didn't know that both were uh, right so well Conte against Fernandinho would be one hell of a midfield clash <laughs> I mean yeah those are, for me those two for that position are, are right up there in the world um Joe is it a factor in any way that City have lost two of their last three FA Cup semis um it just does seem to be a fixture that which you know I know I know we've won one recently obviously but um is that a factor in any way uh no, I'd hope not. I'd think that um I think last year last year when we got knocked out by Arteta's Arsenal, I think that was just a case of Arteta was sort of having he was he was on the the um the upward trajectory, wasn't he? He was on the new manager still riding the new manager bounce a little bit. Um and he was and he was, you know, who's better to play against Pep? Who knows better how to play against last season's Pep than someone who was sat on the bench with him for half the season. Like that was there was, you know, it was there were many reasons why we could that could have gone the way it did. I think the season where we got knocked out from them in 2018, I think that was Oh, it's horrible. That was just awful. I think I just don't think we played particularly well. And I think Sanchez got some pretty they got some pretty smash and grab goals as well, didn't they, where they just sort of yeah, I'd I'd, I'd I'd like to think. Who did we beat when we got through to the final in twenty nineteen? You know what? That's why I skimmed over. It. I couldn't really remember. I, I, I genuinely can't remember now. Yeah, I don't. I, did we? I think oh, we Brighton, got quite Brighton, a, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I, I, we got a pretty oh, favourable yeah. route to the final that year. <laughs> um, yes, I'd, I'd, I, this will be this will be an interesting interesting challenge. I think that. Uh, we've got a midweek game in the Premier League as well, which kind of we have to keep one eye on with the, you know, to, to sort of try and wrap up the league as soon as possible. But with this being a semi-final, I'd hope that most of our focus goes onto this and there's no, you know, there's 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 no taking our eye off the ball like maybe it will have done I mean, spoiler, I don't, I don't think you really have to worry about your league games at this point, do you? Well, no. We're, we're, <laughs> no, just, starting to, we're just Come starting on. <laughs> if, United, if United win their game in hand, yes. then, you know. <laughs> oh, then uh, what, it'll be a 10-point gap? <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> uh, I hope so. I, we're just starting to get a bit worried on social media this week, I've noticed, from one loss, but that's understandable. We're City... We, Although that would be ultra city to, to kind of throw it away at this stage, I think. I, I think that'd be more city than we've ever been city before. <laughs> uh, what's the score prediction from you both, Jenny? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> obviously, low scoring because we just don't do goals anymore. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to obviously give it to you guys because um, you're just unstoppable since the turn of the year, uh, except for Leeds, but that's a whole Guardiola loves also way too much and it's yeah. creepy um i would say <laughs> probably one nil i'd also say it's going to be sterling who scores because he loves a goal against chelsea 
Right, well, I've got to say, both teams together, I've kept a staggering 55 clean sheets all season, so I'm very much with you with it being a, a tight affair. I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Um, I've got a bad feeling about this one. Uh, Joe? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 to City. I wasn't going to, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go, I wasn't going to go with anything like that, but then you told me that Kepa's going to probably start, so <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel, I feel suddenly it's a little bit more le- confident now. He's only let one goal in. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, well, he's, he's, goal, yeah. It's been all clean sheets in the FA Cup. Just one, oh, one right, rogue well. Luton goal. Although it has been, yeah, it's Barnsley and the like. But <laughs> <laughs> they were really good. It was a little yeah, yeah, scary yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some little stats here. Uh, there's going to be a penalty. Um, undoubtedly, there's going to be a penalty. City, this is just in the league for both City and Chelsea, but in the Premier League, City... A third of their goals have been penalties that they've conceded this season. It's un- well, just shy of thirty percent of their goals, and twenty three percent of Chelsea's goals under Tuchel have been slotted home from twelve yards. So put those together, it it, it screams penalty to me. Um, and Mason Mount might be the guy who scores it as well. Um, uh. Under Lampard and during during Tuchel's opening few weeks, he's finding in net every 467 minutes. In his last 10 appearances, it's been a goal every 185 minutes. So um, Mason is now finding the net with increasing regularity. Um, but yeah, I'm still going 2-1 Chelsea. I, I, like I say, I've got a bad feeling about it. <laughs> uh, a half-five kickoff um, for such a big game. Uh, for me, that screams takeaway. Um, Jenny, what's your kind of pre-match prep for, for kind of watching such a big game at, at such an hour? I mean, normally there'd be cocktails involved. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm working. So I have to be responsible and... and You're working during the game? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's disappointing because I shouldn't really be having cocktails then. Um, (laughs) We'll just... We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and, and then it'll be probably some form of takeaway because, you know... I, I don't have time to yes, be cooking and working and cheering on the team. Absolutely. I mean, it is it's that awkward time, isn't it? Kind of half five, you know, when you have to kind of do think about your food and, and am I going to eat beforehand? I'm trying to aim it for half time, but it's always tricky. Um, Joe, what about you? Um, I don't really do much on match days. Um, obviously, I did before, before you know, before coronavirus happened. But I think... Um, I, now nowadays I just I don't really do much in the build up to a game although I'm thinking now you've mentioned takeaway I am thinking <laughs> well, you know what you know what that sounds like a pretty good idea so yeah I think yeah. I'll um, I think I might do that because like you say it's such an awkward time because you because if you're if you're normally the one who cooks it's it's at that point where you would normally be sort of getting things ready and it's just I'm not going to do that while the city game's on so yeah maybe maybe takeaways in order absolutely. And before we go today, um, there's a guy, obviously, that links both clubs, um, particularly associated with with Chelsea, of course, but Frank Lampard, someone we've already mentioned. City legend. A city legend, (laughs) indeed. Absolutely. Um, So what does he mean to you, Jenny, and what does he mean to Chelsea fans? Uh, I don't think you have enough time on the podcast (laughs) for me to express what he means to me. <laughs> that would it's just a really long, annoying love letter, isn't it? <laughs> um ironically he he technically gave me my first job over here. I worked um at the pub he and his dad owned that was my Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Obviously he didn't do the hiring, but I like to <laughs> pretend that he was my my actual first boss, so I know what all the Chelsea players 
have been going through the last 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> did, when, he, when he moved to City, did that kind of, you know, taint his legacy in any way with, with Chelsea fans? I think I think there were some people, not taint overall, because, like, obviously um, you get over that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it tainted it at first. You're just like, wow, <laughs> what is this? I was also at the game that he Same scored way. against yes. us. I was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, uh, it just was the worst moment in a press box ever. <laughs> just, I was devastated. The journalist beside me was like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, obviously not. <laughs> just over. Uh, I, but I think everyone's got over it. I think everyone's kind of like moved on and he's, he's by and large restored his legendary status. I mean, he's the most successful best player we've had ever. Like, yeah. So. You can't really minimise that that kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. And it's such a, a, an important era in, in, in your club's history as well. So, yeah. Know, I mean, you know, it's not as if he was kind of, I don't know, during the kind of 1970s, for example, and, and he, he came through then. It, it was during an absolute period of dominance as well. So he's always going to be associated with that, isn't he? So... Um, it's kind of amazing too. He came in um, before the Abramovich era, and yes, I think some, yeah. sometimes people forget that that he was actually there first. He wasn't one of Roman's big buys. Yeah, and, and he had his doubts attached to him as well. You know, he, particularly coming through at West Ham. I remember there's that famous video, isn't it, of Harry Redknapp defending him? Yeah, um, and because West Ham fans were accusing him of nepotism and all the rest of it, and so he had to prove a lot of doubt was wrong. And um, it kind of had to prove a lot of doubt was wrong at City, really, as well. There was a bit of scepticism, I remember. Um, Joe, how do you remember him at City? I know he was only there for a short spell, but, um, you know, he did very well for us. Yeah, I just think um, when you think about what he was brought in for, which was basically just to sort of fill out the squad a little bit and keep him warm. For I mean, initially it was to keep him warm for New York City, wasn't it? Because yeah. he was going to be there, but obviously they weren't actually beginning their season until the January. But the fact that we then extended the loan to fill the full season rather than send him over there as soon as possible because he'd become a bit more important to the squad than maybe we expected him to be. Um says says a lot about him really. I think the fact that the fact that he was able to still do it to a to a reasonable standard in the Premier League at the age of was he was he 35 or 36 I, when oh, he came to us? Yeah, it was 36 and maybe knocking on 37, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and the fact that he was, you know, still at that level still put you know, was it four or five goals he put away for us in that in that year? I think it's just it's crazy that at that age he was still going. I think it's I think it's a a, a huge testament to the player that he is, and it, he has like a positional sense as much as anything else. I think that goal scoring record of his is just probably never going to be matched by any midfielder ever. I don't think. Yeah. Um. I just it's 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 for me uh, when when people always have the classic Gerard Scholes um <laughs> Lampard debate I I I always put I always I always have Lampard top I just think that what he did in terms of obviously Gerard was was sort of the heartbeat of that team and and Scholes was good when he was 35 years old but I think for I think I think Lamp, I think I think Lampard's sort of goals and impact and and captaincy of Chelsea was like a large part of him and John Terry were a large part of why Chelsea were the force that they were for the last yeah. However, however, like the 10, 15 years that they were both there. Um, so for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been Lampard out of those three. And yeah. And the fact that he went over to the MLS and made that look like a, you know, a terrible league uh, just at the age of, he was 38 when he was finished with, with yeah. New York City as well. And he was still just, just making it look so easy that, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of respect for him. He's, he seems like a really nice guy as well from what, from what there was around his time at the club. So, um, 
yeah, all, all nothing but good things about Lampard. We've been quite lucky, really, because we've had some absolute midfield legends. Patrick Vieira, of course, as well. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I wish we could just carry on doing that. Just sign them when they're thirty-five and just get kind of your own Indian summer out of them for a couple of years. And but yeah, it was a pleasure to watch and, and um, yeah, ultra professional. Um, well, thank you very much for joining me today, Jenny. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. And thanks, Joe. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope this is. Uh, I hope the Friday Joe show was uh, was, was good for all of you. <laughs> and thanks as always to listeners listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. All that's left to do is to wish Manchester City a very happy 127th birthday today. We suspect some cosmetic surgery has been involved to look so good at such an age. And let's hope the celebra- celebration, sorry, continue tomorrow in North London. In the meantime, though, take care of yourselves, be well, and forever up the blues. <laughs>